0: Host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to Foundation Friday number 115. And today we are going to talk about what we can poach from the NBA finals. Most of us that are listening to this podcast are high school or maybe college coaches, but you know, we have a few NBA people that are followers and check things out, but for the most part, the people that listen to this podcast are going to be high school coaches or junior high coaches, AAU coaches. And as we watch the NBA finals play out, and I think it's setting up to be a great series, I'm going to give my prediction well, for what it's worth at the end of this podcast to the finals. But as we watch this, as the, with the players that we work with at their skill levels, what can we take from the NBA Finals and apply it to our programs. I think one of the most important things to remember is that we are not going to be able to replicate what these players and coaches are able to do, but what you can do is you can adapt what they do. And you can take little things here and little things there to adapt them to your program and to your situation. Now again, it's simplifies, simplifies, simplify, but there's concepts, there's ideas, there's little tweaks that you can take from what we're going to see here over the next week and a half to two weeks and put it into our teams and our programs and our players. So I've got seven things listed here that I think you could take from. It. Number one is identifying mismatches. You know, the big part of what NBA basketball is all about is finding where the weakest link is at and Golden State will not do that as much as Boston probably will. Boston's a little bit more of a traditional NBA offense, whereas Golden State has kind of the beautiful game 2.0, the passing, the cutting, the split actions, Uh, Klay Thompson and Steph Curry constantly moving, so forth and so on. But when you see those actions, when you identify what is working, how do you continue to exploit it? So that's number one. Number two. Bench communication and communication throughout. Uh, I really love, I really get locked in after the telecast comes back from a commercial break and we have the mic'd up, uh, the wired or in the huddle or the various different things that they have throughout. And some of it is, you know, wasteful and really doesn't mean anything. But there's some things that you can get out of these little snippets of coaches talking to coaches, coaches talking to players within their huddles. Players talking to players out on the floor and how they communicate and what's going on out there. And I think that that is a great thing that you can use as an example with your players, with your coaches, with your coaching staff, within your program that will help build your team to become even better. Third thing, and this kind of goes with number one, but the third thing that I had listed was off-ball actions and movements that you can put into set plays that you may implement. Or if you're a motion coach, what are some things that you're watching out there that you can add to your motion game or your motion repertoire? Uh, Again, kind of referred to it before, the split actions that the Golden State Warriors run, Uh, hammer actions on the weak side, false motion to set up a secondary, or a third motion. Again, this is really, really advanced basketball. These are the best players and the best coaches in the world. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to run what Golden State runs or run what Boston runs. But what you can do is you can take little things and pick up on that and watch the film and say, hey, we kind of run a little something like this or that's, you know, we run this set. Here's a little something that we could run instead of running this as our B option. Let's experiment with this as our B option off of our Chicago set or whatever it may be for you. So that's something to think about as you're watching the games here the next couple of weeks. Fourth thing, substitution patterns. How coaches take a look at their team, how they substitute players in, how they handle, for example, foul trouble or matchups or how they're they're doing, uh, uh, what are they looking at when they're starting this player, but they're bringing this player in off the bench and this player off the bench is in their closing lineup. You know, a lot of NBA coaches coach the game with the end in mind and they coach the game backwards, assuming that this is, going to be a close game from the last minute of the game backwards. And how do you set up your team for success in those last few minutes of the game is often how you need to look at it. So watching how NBA coaches and NBA coaching staffs substitute is also something else that you could pick up on as you're watching these games. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. The fifth thing that you can look at is execution versus the shot clock. As more and more states go to the shot clock, you could take a look at how both teams uh, finish both offensively and defensively. You know, offensively, how are they finishing at the end of possessions? What are some key things that we see as the shot clock gets below five, four, three? What are they doing to try and get the best shot that they possibly can at the end of the shot clock? Uh, defensively, are they trapping? Are they challenging certain motions in a certain way? How is Boston going to handle Steph Curry and Klay Thompson running off a 1,000 screens? How is Golden State going to handle Jason Tatum coming off high ball screens and looking to isolate, so forth and so on? How, for example, you know, how often do you go for two-for-ones? At the end of the at the end of a quarter, you know, execution versus the shot clock, execution versus or the quarters. Uh, sixth thing, special situations. So perhaps the best thing about the NBA is that there are so many special situations throughout the game. And executing, versus on a sideline out of bounds play. There's 15 seconds left, and we're down one. What are we running to get the ball to whom and where, and what do we want them to get into? These are all things that are, for the most part, predetermined well before either one of these teams have gotten to this point. And again, these teams have resources and advantages that most of us do not have with with tape study and uh, a a gazillion quality control coaches that look at every scrap of film for how long, Uh, but this is stuff that we can take, and this is our shorthand version This is our Crib Notes version of how to prepare for that and those special situations. You know, the advancement rule. Uh, NBA team scores with nine seconds left. They hit a free throw to tie the game. Instead of having to go full court, now it's a sideline out-of-bounds play, and there's more action to it, and we see that set up. So things to look at there. And then the seventh thing is... As this series progresses, there, of course, are going to be adjustments made by both teams. What are the game-by-game adjustments that we are going to see as this moves forward? What is Boston going to do against all of the great shooters from Golden State? What is Golden State going to do to try and get those great shooters open against Boston's length? Or whatever it may be, Uh, is is either team going to go really, really small at one point? They probably will, of course. Uh, How much... Will Golden State use their, their pool party lineup or the uh, whatever they have with that? You know, So there's a lot of different things to look at for adjustments and watching how both teams adjust as the series goes on. So seven things to look at. My prediction for what it's worth. I am going to predict and I'm going to pick, and I've kind of stood by this uh, for a while in my own mind. I was a little nervous about this pick at one point because of the way that the playoffs were kind of playing out. But I believe that Boston is going to win in six games. Uh, here's a couple reasons why. Uh, I think that, uh, first of all, Boston's finally got a little bit of rest. They played on Sunday in Game 7, which was just a, a slobber knocker. That was an ugly, ugly basketball game. But it's a Game 7, and a lot of Game 7s are really ugly. I, they get three days off. They don't play again until Thursday. Uh, which is I'm taping this Thursday afternoon at about a quarter to five central time. And then they don't play again till Sunday. So basically they're playing one game this week. Now, if they'd have gone Thursday to Saturday and kind of gone every other day, then I would be more apt to pick Golden State. But I think that Boston's length on defense is going to be just too much to handle. I think that's the determining factor in this series is going to be Boston's defense. I think Golden State has a terrific defense. And by the way, when I pick Boston by six or in six games, if Golden State won it in in six or seven games, I'd be really surprised if this series goes any less than six games. I'd be really, really surprised. But I, I think that just Boston has a little bit more defensively than what Golden State has to offer. I really think that Tonight, again taping this on Thursday at about four forty-five. I think Golden State's going to win Game One. I think Boston's going to come back and win Game Two, and then you know somewhere in there, Boston's going to win two out of three, and they're going to end up uh, sealing the deal at home in Game Six. That's my guess. That's you know what do any of us know? We'll have to see what happens. It's going to be a great series. Uh, Golden State, hats off, six six finals in eight years. Steph Curry, absolutely all-time game-changing player, uh, definitely turning himself into an icon. Uh, I, I really think that uh, he he and uh, Magic Johnson, there's been a lot of talk about that. I, I think Steph Curry has kind of officially passed a lot of legendary point guards like John Stockton, like Isaiah Thomas. They're different players. Uh, there's different statistical qualities about Steph Curry compared to let's say a John Stockton or an Isaiah Thomas but I think Steph Curry has passed those two players in the pantheon of great NBA players of all time again my opinions if you want to comment on it let me know put something in the comments that's fine let's have some fun with it it's going to be a great series I hope you enjoy it I hope this podcast has been able to help you take a look at uh some of the stuff here um with the with the nba finals so coaches as always let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time